Gerald Huggins joins the show to give out his five dream destinations for HBCU prospects in the NFL draft. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, aka the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it right here at the bottom of the screen. But if you don't, that means you're on the audio side of things. And I appreciate you too. Just make sure you add the S on the end of South Exclusives when you follow. Make sure you hit the subscribe button while we're here too. And we're talking about following. Following me and follow the show. And we have a full breakdown of some draft HBC or excuse me, draft HBCUs, Gerald Huggins comes in with a full breakdown of some dream draft destinations for five of our HBCU prospects in this cycle. All right, in the name of full transparency, I texted G. I said, look, you have 10 players. We're gonna divide them up into two shows. What's one guy that you just feel you love this draft fit for? And he sent me back five guys. Now, before we ask the question about this, do you remember the five players that you sent off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, uh, it had to be Keyshawn Moore. Yes. Had to be Mark. Was it Mark? No. No. Oh, Isaiah Land. Was Isaiah Land? No, I'm going to give them to you. Keyshawn Moore, Aubrey Miller, Shaq Davis, Jadakiss Bonds, and Andrew Farmer, the second. Okay. So those are your five players. Of those five and the draft fit that you gave, which one of these players do you think will have the biggest immediate impact for their team. Ooh. It's got to be between Keyshawn Moore and and Aubrey Miller. So I'm gonna lean on or I'm gonna lean on Aubrey because Aubrey has that special teams. He has the best special teams acumen out of all the guys, including like Isaiah Bolden. Because I mean Isaiah Bolden, yes, he's a kick returner, pump returner, um, but Aubrey literally plays every special team unit, and he is. I mean, me personally, he just fits that Steeler way. And I know Steelers have picked up some linebackers through free agency and they have some guys ready there. I get it. This is just about who I feel is a good fit for him. End of the day, he could fit in any 3-4 scheme as a Ted backer for the most part. And I believe he could play He could play Mike in a 4-3 as well. But I just think for him, keep the game simple for him and let him just do what he does, put him in a 3-4, let him play that Ted, let him knock some offensive linemen off their butt like he did Throughout his career, definitely in that uh, Campbell game, as you see, he's going to get some really big off the line and running right into their chest and making plays in the backfield. That's what Aubrey Miller does. So just let him do what he does. Pittsburgh, that's just it just fits. And then Keyshawn Moore, he's the most versatile defensive lineman. He might be the most versatile defensive player in the draft from any level because no one else can say they played nose guard, outside linebacker, and defensive end. Nobody can name a player that played that. Not one. Not one. Please, if they have one, please show me. Please. Right. 
So I look at Miller because I want to bring it back to that first person you named. And that just so happens to really be the biggest name on this list. So it just worked out that way. But you spoke about his versatility between a 3-4 and a 4-3. What is it about 3-4 versus 4-3 as a linebacker that made you say, I need him in a 3-4? For me, with, with him, right? Right, just specifically for him. Okay. So me personally, when you come, when it comes to 3-4, you have a little bit more free flow and protection. Because you have a 300, usually you have a 320 pound plus six foot plus nose guard there to just clog up space. And then you have two four eyes who are equally about 275 plus and higher and taller clogging. So you got three guys taking on pretty much five guys on the line of scrimmage. And then you have these two big outside backers doing the same thing. So now you got two linebackers pretty much just have free flow to have fun between the A and the B gaps, depending on what your scheme is. So for Aubrey Miller, now granted, he can get off of blocks and he can really attack blocks as you can see on his film. However, I think for him in a good scheme where he's just not touched, like similar to like, you know, like I say, look at uh, who we comped him to, Lawrence Timmons. Lawrence Timmons was free and then he knocks off of the lineman off the butt and then he's making plays in the backfield. And then you got a guy like Woodley who was next to him making a whole bunch of tackles. So for a guy like, um, uh, um, for uh, Miller, you just put him in a situation where he just does what he wants, what he does best. He likes to attack. He's an attack, attack, attack. In a 3-4, he's able to attack more and be free-flowing than he would be in a 4-3. Now, you look at a 4-3, you got like a Luke, Luke, Luke Keekley and guys like that. Granted, he was free-flowing as well because, you know, you got a Starla Tulele and K.K. Short in front of you, you know, taking those spaces. It's, you know, but it's a different scheme. He has more gaps to cover in the 4-3 as an inside backup. Than he would if he's in a three-four scheme. So right. I just think for Aubrey, you put him in a situation where he may not have to think as much, even though he's a very I think he's a very instinctual player. Some some people have said he's not, whatever. But I think he's very instinctual because he makes up for his he uses his instincts to make up for what he may lack in speed and quickness for it. I don't think it's that really big of a drop-off. But his motor, his competitiveness, his ability to run him into gaps and just take on off the linemen on a consistent basis, that's why I like to see him in a 3-4 scheme as a Ted backer because that's what he's going to be asked to do. Yeah, and you mentioned in there Lawrence Timmons, who also played for the Steelers. Now, is that just a coincidence that your comp and then your also draft fit just so happened to be a Steelers player and a Steeler, or did those kind of go hand in hand for you? When I saw Arby play, I originally said this dude needs to play in the AFC North because that's he's just, <laughs> an AFC North off, he's just an AFC North linebacker. He looks like – those guys that he looks like a Baltimore Ravens linebacker. He looks like a Bengals linebacker. He just looks like, I mean, I know Burfick wasn't a too far off comp for me, but I just, I kind of slated away from Burfick for a little bit. I just, I couldn't, I get really, it. I couldn't I get give it. him Burfick. I couldn't. For some reason, something just, I just couldn't. And Burfick, more, for more or less, the Bengals played in a 4 3 scheme for a while. Growing up for me, that's what they played in. They were a 4 3 scheme. With uh, Dunlap, and they had the other brother, I think Michael Johnson, the other dude back. That's when I was growing up. So, and then they had Geno Atkins. So they had like those, and it was another dude. I can't remember the other dude's name, but they had those four down linemen. So, uh, Bengals, okay. Burfick, I can see the Burfick, you know, the hard hitting, da da da. But I think Burfick was a little better in coverage than uh, Aubrey Miller is. But when it came to just, you know, Malik actually brought up the comp, and mm. I was like, hmm. Yeah, Malik. Yeah, you got it. Like I, when me and Malik talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, I, 
Well, he right, he right, and I don't even, I don't even fight with him. I'm like, yo, you got it. Like when he said Arby Miller's Lawrence Tim, I said that's perfect. There's nothing I had to. I couldn't think of a better back of the conference. It was a similar size, kind of not the biggest guy. What you would say with my Arby was big when he got to Jackson. I think he might have been pushing 250. I think he's in the 230, 225-ish range now, which is fine because he still maintains his strength and he has still he has solid athleticism as you can see on the film. But but yeah, man, like it was it, you could call it a coincidence, but originally I just said this guy has to play in the AFC North. Okay. Know? Or we have to be in a three four, a three four scheme. So whatever that may look like. And you know, majority of the AFC North plays in a three four scheme. It wasn't by design, but we just so happened to start with the biggest name of the bunch, Aubrey Miller. And as we move forward, there were two players and two draft fits specifically that really piqued my interest when he texted the list over to me. Let's explore those guys as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and that's not the only reason that I would send you to them. See, they believe in second chances. They have the first bet, no sweat, which means if you're new, which means you didn't take my advice all these months, but I won't be hurt if you're new to FanDuel. Then you get the first bet, no sweat, meaning if you lose your first bet, they're going to give you up to $1,000 back in free bets. This is a phenomenal deal for those who are a little bit hesitant, don't know if their first bet is going to work out. It really doesn't matter. Either you get the money back from your bet or you get the money back from the free bets that they're going to give you. I love this deal so while the march madness is going on while the nba season is going on and going into the playoffs make sure that you are right here on fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more and take advantage of that first bet no sweat for all of my new customers The other player that you mentioned that was a big immediate impact player was Keyshawn Moore. And to me, Keyshawn Moore was the most of, of the five that you sent me to talk about today. He was the most intriguing draft fit and it has nothing to do with what he could do on the field. It has nothing to do with his versatility or his, his immediate impact. For me, it had to do with the fact that you say Keyshawn Moore to the Patriots and everybody I hear talk about the Pats always says the Patriots way is so grueling, so demanding, so unlike anything else in the NFL. So forget the techniques, forget all of that. Do you feel like Keyshawn Moore can stand up with the Patriots way? I asked Keyshawn Moore about his pro day. I asked, was he nervous? Guess what he said? Wait, sir. It's just me working out in front of people. He's not. He ain't, he ain't lying. Yo. He's not phased. Like, this guy is a – he's a freaking football – like, when I asked him about – I talk to him all the time. So I just asked him about, like, you know, uh, like how he just feel about playing the nose. He said it's football. I just want to hit people. Like, I mean, it, like, <laughs> he makes it very – he's like, yo, listen, I'm probably going to be one of the biggest people on the field. I'm not big. but one of the strongest people on the field pound for pound. And he just wants to run into somebody's face. That's all – that's what he's about. And he's smart. He played multiple positions because guess what? When you play in that Bill Belichick defense, you have to be versatile. Have to. You have to be. He could shed 20 pounds and be like those inside backers that play for the Patriots and them outside back play for them. All their backers are huge, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> They've been known to have six foot three, 250 pound backers. I mean, that's just a thing. Or he could just keep on putting a little more weight and then he put his hand in the dirt and he could be like Richard Seymour. You know, I'm not saying the size, you know, clearly is not the same, not really the same. But he can play, he's versatile enough to be at a nose. He can play right. the four eye, he can play the three, he can play stand up in. I mean, he could play, he could play anything they want him to play. And his mentality is just, he simplifies the game of football. He's like, oh, well, listen, this is my key, and I need to knock him to the backfield and make a play. That's him. You know, that's the kind of guy, that's the kind of guy he is. He's killing, he's done everything you need for an FCS player to do. He went all conference in what people consider one of the toughest conferences in football, in FCS football, which is the CAA. He went to JUCO, one of the top JUCOs in the country, Lackawanna Community College, which also produces some of the best HBCU athletes you're ever going to see. That's just how it – I mean, they produce Nugget. They produce Robert Mitchell. They produce Savion Williams. It's just uh, – they have it's, – it's a pedigree. You don't leave Lackawanna and not know how to play football. You don't leave Lackawanna and not want to just run into somebody's face. Those guys are just built like that. And I, I can't – so I'm actually going to go – because I have – I've sent players there. Me and Coach Nooks, because Coach Nooks played there. He mm-hmm. sent players there. And, like, they're currently in camp right now. I'm going to go see them. They want to play at HBCUs. And guess what? Lackawanna, they don't turn away. They, Ty, oh, sorry. Tyler Long from Norfolk State was there, too. It's so many guys. It's so many guys. So all I have to say, Keyshawn Moore is slowly becoming, like, knife slowly. He's my favorite defensive lineman in the draft class from HBCU. I hear it. I can hear it. I can, I can hear it in how you speak. Because he's versatile, oh. man. No one else can say they could play the nose and play outside linebacker. There's not one guy. And I'm just – and his size, I mean, like, his his 40 was not that much slower than Isaiah Land. And he's stronger than almost every D-tackle. That was, no, he's the strongest D-tackle at the combine if he went. I mean, it's, 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 it's not too hard for me. It's, it's very simple for me. I, I think okay. if he gets in the camp, he's go, he gets in the camp, he's going to stay there. He's going to be there for a while. And guess what? If football don't work out, he's going to be the WWE champion someday. So it's it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> let's let's keep the passion flowing. Let's keep the most interesting prospects going or draft it's going. Because for me, right next to Keyshawn Moore, the second most interesting draft fit is somebody I think you might have a similar amount of passion for, and that's Shaq Davis out of South Carolina State. And you said he's going to stay in the Carolinas. He's going to go to North Carolina and be with your Carolina Panthers. I just found it interesting. What makes him so special that you're like, I want him on my team? That's a little different. That's a little different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So for me, the Panthers need a deep threat. Okay. We need, we need a deep threat. We haven't had a legit – like, don't get me wrong, DJ Moore was – he can beat you down the field, but right. we need a guy that's like every play. We may need to leave a safety back there because if we don't, because they said he clocked at four. We still haven't got a pro day numbers, but the word is he hit four four, low four four, and he's six four, two hundred twenty plus pounds. <laughs> I'm thank you, thank you. Like I mean, what else could the young quarterback that we're gonna get more than likely gonna have a young gunslinger? And all of them, for the most part, can throw the ball pretty far. They have really good arm talent. I think they're going to go Bryce Young. And I honestly, he's like clear cut the 
the best quarterback we have in this draft, even though I love Hendon Hooker, but I think Me the arm talent-wise is going to go towards Bryce Young. Fine. Even if we get Anthony Richardson, what's better than be like, oh, well, nothing's nothing's there. Let me just throw it up to Shaq. And, like, Shaq has produced against all the – he's another one, FCS guy. He went all conferences in the MEAC. When he played outside his conference, what did he do? He produced when he went against FBS opponents. He did everything he's supposed to do. He went to an all-star game. He played pretty well throughout the practice. He didn't have the best game, per se. He had a couple drops, but that's what you get with Shaq Davis. But guess what? I dealt with Ted Ginn. It can't get no worse than that. It can't get no worse than that. Okay? I I dealt with Ted Ginn, too. (laughs) I had Ted Ginn. I love Ted Ginn. Panthers fans love Ted Ginn. Don't let them say anything. They love him. Because guess what? When he left, when he left the Panthers, went to the Saints, he caught everything. He caught everything. He, he did. I know. I, I was so shocked. <laughs> I was stunned. I said, I said, where did these hands come from? Uh, I don't know. He did not do it. And then I'm just like, what the hell? But it's okay because guess what? We can get – imagine Ted in at six foot five. That's yeah. ideally what you're getting – from Shaq Davis. He's a 4'4 four, four guy, 220 pounds, 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, I mean, it's a perfect match. He's a Carolina kid. The Panthers have never drafted somebody from South Carolina State, which I which I couldn't believe. I had to look it up myself. Someone asked me. I was like, wow, they really know. This would be the yeah. perfect pick. I mean, they would he played against every I think he played against every South Carolina FBS school as well. So it's not that they don't know who Shaq, they know who Shaq is. There's no way they don't know who Shaq is. Right. Yes, he may drop that one slant route across the middle on third down. He may. But he's also going to take it to the house for 80. So are you willing to deal with that? Me? I will. Because guess what? I dealt with Ted again, and we went to the Super Bowl with him. So it's all – I'm fine with it. I love it. And I'm I'm going to continue to say Shaq to Carolina because if he doesn't go to Carolina, he can go to somebody else. And guess what he's going to do when he come play against us? Eat you up. Another one of the wide receivers you have in this packet is Jadakiss Bonds, who I love Jadakiss Bonds personally. And you have him to the Cowboys. I asked you this before we started recording. Do you feel like the addition of Brandon Cooks takes him away from the Cowboys as a good draft slot? And you said no. Why do you feel like that's still the good spot for him to land? Because, okay, you got CeeDee Lamb, and then you have Cooks. You need a possession receiver with some size that could play in the slot and play on the outside. I mean, they move Cooks all over the place. Yeah. I love Cooks, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I don't – is Cooks is Cook going to be your consistent, you know, outside receiver? Maybe, maybe not. Whatever. He seems to produce wherever he goes for the most part. He's a very serviceable yeah. Wide receiver, I'm cool with him. I pick him up in fantasy all the time off the waiver wire. It's Pretty reliable. Yeah. So, but you need a guy that's similar size to uh, C. Lamb, I believe. You yeah. know, Jadakiss and C. D. about the same size. But you know, uh, Jadakiss is more of a he's a possession guy, but he can break some tackles and take it to the crib too. So he's like a best all around receiver that we have in the HBCU class this year, and I've been on record saying overall. He can do a little what Shaq does. He can do a little bit what uh what uh Dallas Daniels could do. He can also do a little bit what Xavier Smith could do. And guess what? They tried him out on special teams during the Shrine Bowl. So now you got the special teams acumen. So between the special teams acumen, the kid has strong hands. He doesn't have a really high drop rate on the amount of targets he's received. 
And then you have the fact that he can run every round of route tree. He's a big guy. His 6'2", 200 doesn't look like everybody else's 6'2", 200. He looks bigger than 6'2", 200, to be honest with you. So the, the ability for him to move around and be able to get open and just be a consistent threat in third and long, third and five, third and short, he's a good fit for Dak. And listen, people have their whatever's about Dak. And if they, you know, they're going to throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball. And Jada hasn't had – a quarterback nowhere near Dak. You right. know, like Jada Kiss was able to do this. Like, look at all the other receivers in the NFL and what they had with the who they had in college. I mean, no, it's easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, who's CeeDee Lamb's quarterback in college? The one is Hertz. <laughs> it was Hertz and and Murray. Wasn't it Kyler? Kyler? Yeah, Kyler wasn't Ky- it? it was it was Kyler, and then he played with Hertz his one year in Oklahoma. So he had some QBs. I mean, yeah, some I mean, and listen, call it what it, I mean, I'm not throwing shade towards anybody at Hampton in the quarterback room, but just call it what it is. Jada didn't really have the best quarterback player. Yeah, he didn't have the best quarterback. Just like Kamari Everett down in uh, Bethune Cookman. The fact that he was able to be what he was, considering the quarterback room he had the past two years, is amazing. So that's why I put, yeah. that's why I have so much stock in them because, like, yo, they're able to produce in an opportune situation. Some players cannot produce when everything don't go right. And that's just that you can so for the Cowboys who, you know, granted, I'm you know, I have no I have no horse in the race when it comes to Cowboys because, you know, eh, I'm not really a Cowboys fan. But my family is and I understand. I know they're looking for another receiver. Your family is a Cowboys fan. Ain't you from New York? I have family from the DMV. It's really weird. DMV has so many Cowboys fans. It's really weird. I don't really I don't understand it. And like my dad's side of family, Cowboys fans too. My dad not really a fan of anybody. He just watched football, so that's why I'm just a random guy that just likes the Panthers. It is what it is. So yeah, I never questioned that either. I, yeah, I, I never questioned it, but I just I just Peppers. roll with it. Julius Peppers, man, I, I, it was it was a whole thing. I, yeah, I saw two, I saw two. on Twitter. I, yeah. I saw I saw Mister. He's better than Lawrence Taylor. All right, now look, we're not we're not gonna do it today. We're not gonna do it today. But I will <laughs> I will wrap up asking you about this guy. Andrew Farmer, the one D2 player you have on here. And I think he's the only D2 player in your full top 10, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You have him come or you have him slotted to go to the Seattle Seahawks. And they're a good defensive team. They're known for defense, but we often think about their secondary. They've had some pretty good defensive ends as well. How does Farmer compare to those guys like Michael Bennett, Frank Clark? Uh, it's one more guy I'm, I'm forgetting that was on the Chris edge. Clements. That's what it is. Here's the thing about Farmar. I comped him to Michael Bennett because he's the best run defender in D2. He was the mm-hmm. best run defender in defense alignment in D2. The kid from Ferris State was a better pass rusher, but he could not hold the candle to Andrew Farmar when it came against going against the run. Andrew, I, want, I urge people to watch Arkansas Pine Bluff and Lane College film. Him, He played against Mark Evans twice. First time, Mark got him. Second time, it was a little more evenly matched. Okay. okay. When it came to stopping the run, his athletic ability, the length of his arms, his motor, you can't teach that. He doesn't like to be blocked when it comes to stopping the run. And you can take that. And guess what? He has arguably the best pass rushing coach coming in to the Seahawks, Coach Jordan. He was just at Michigan State. He, he trains Max Crosby. He trains Vaughn Miller. He trains some of the best pass rushers. In the NFL, he trained some of the best passers in Texas in, the, in high school. He has multiple All-Americans across the board from the high school level. Coach Jordan is 
solely the reason why I said if Andrew Farmar, with his run-stopping ability already, if you add the pass rushing of like this, this is a perfect prospect. He's 6'3 plus, 200, I think they say 250 pounds roughly. He's a four, 640 from what I've been told. He's strong. His shuttle's solid. He has a vert. He's a freak. Not, let me stop saying freak athlete. He's a good athlete. Definitely come out of defense D2. It's just for him, he needs to be in a good situation. He can't just go to a team that doesn't have a solid foundation when it comes to pass rushing, a solid foundation when it comes to who they have coaching their defense along. And for the most part, you look at Seattle, they have stability. The teams, the teams seem to, uh, the players seem to like it there as well. It's a little bit out the way. He can just focus on football. He's a very humble young man. He has, he's going to have the best defensive line coach. He's going to have one of the best coaches to coach in the NFL and Pete Carroll. He has a hell of a defensive coordinator with him. They're not going to put him in any opportunity in situations he can't handle. I think he's a project, but most of these players are. So yeah. give him a shot. Just give him a shot. He proved himself. He proved himself for a D2 guy. He did all, I keep saying, he did all he can do as a D2 guy to get to this point. He did everything he was supposed to do. And now a team just has to be like, well, we got the coaching that could do it. So we'll take him. We'll take the D2 kid that knows right. how to stop the run already. And we'll teach him how to become a better pass rusher. I appreciate you, Coach G, coming on the show. We have to do the second half of your top 10 maybe sometime next week. We got a yep. couple of pieces that we have to get out before draft time rolls around. So get used to it. Get used to seeing the face because this is the time of the year when he's very active on Locked on HBCU, and we do appreciate it. And I'm going to give you a gift, my brother. What's up? What's I'm, up? Going, I'm going to reveal my top 20 on your show. I'm not oh. going to draft it. I'm going to give you – oh, That's you the second thing you sent me, right? Yes, I'm giving you, and okay. it's gonna change. It's gonna change. It's gonna change because some things have happened. Pro See this man? He texted me, said, "It's not gonna change. This is my top twenty. It's probably not gonna change." Like, yeah, it, don't worry, we'll get to it, and it, it ain't gonna be no different. <laughs> no, 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 it, it, it changed. It changed. And I just want to give a shout out to Ronnie Thomas, the undersized edge rusher. He just got picked up by the CFL. CFL. Shout out, man. That. Listen, 5'9", 245, it don't matter. A 6'8", offensive lineman cannot block him on a consistent basis. So watch him. If he stays around long enough, he's probably going to lead the league in sacks one day. And I'm going to be happy to hit. Happy to say that I scouted him. And the young man is just a hard worker. And he he's, he's, he's setting the tone, all right? Because there's been 5'10", edge rushers that played the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they didn't last long, but guess what? He made it there. So guess what? Ronnie Thomas, keep doing your thing, brother. Just want to show you some love, man. Real, real talk. I just want to show you some love. Man. Appreciate you coming on, Coach. Anytime, dog. Anytime. And I always appreciate Coach G for coming on, giving his insight. We'll be back with part two of this list at some point next week because this was only the first five. We still have five more. But he got me rubbing my hands like a mad scientist talking about the fact that he's going to debut his top 20, even though his top 20 is probably going to be completely different again. But he's going to debut his top 20 on Locked on HBCU. This is a treat for both you and me because I didn't even know he was going to say that. That caught me by surprise. But I appreciate him just like I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. 
every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On College Basketball for everything you need around the sport in one place wherever you listen or watch your podcast. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to go over some of the spring games and then we're also going to talk about the perfect timing of the HBCU All-Star Game, which is this Sunday. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.